Get your Bibles open to the book of Malachi again tonight. I want to start there. And I believe the Lord's going to show us some, some new things tonight. I'm always amazed how long I've been preaching and I still find new stuff. Just blows me away. And maybe it's not new. Maybe it's just, maybe I forgot it. I don't know. But it seems new. Or you find something that you didn't look at before. So if you've got your Bibles, Malachi chapter 3. Anybody that was in nursery this morning or, or not here, we're talking about God's provision and being in covenant with God financially that leads to so many other things. And if you get your Bibles to Malachi 3, that's the last book of the Old Testament. Going into the New Testament, we're going to look at chapter 3 verse Eight and just read a few key verses and then go go from there so we kind of know what we're talking about. It says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, In what have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Then he says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this. In other words, test me now. In this says the Lord of hosts for if I was and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field says the Lord of hosts and one verse I didn't read this morning that's very powerful is 12 and all the nations will call you blessed. For you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Father, anoint your word tonight for a few minutes on this Sunday night. Bless every man, woman, teenager, and child that's here tonight that came back tonight and just gave Sunday to you, Father. Bless and give rest and strength to all the praise team that's been here practicing, God. And Lord, just arrest our minds for a few moments to just focus let us not be too tired or too uh, irritable or, or anything, God, to not hear what you want to say to us for the next few minutes. Lord, give us a spirit of focus and we rebuke every distraction and every strategy of the enemy right now in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. So, so these are promises, as God says, that he will pour out his blessings upon us in a way that we cannot contain. I want you to write something down, a few things that the Lord was showing me even this afternoon. The promise precedes the provision. Okay, the promise precedes the provision. There's always a promise of God that he will provide. Okay, the promise precedes the provision. That's very important to understand. When we get to an understanding of how God works, then we can walk in his provision but we have to understand he gives us a promise and his promise is what that he will provide that he will open up the floodgates of heaven that he will rebuke the devourer we were talking again just to make it clear this morning we're talking about being faithful with what god has given us and and being tithers tithers tithe meeting the tenth giving a tenth of what god gives us back to him and i don't want to reiterate everything i talked about this morning but i don't want anybody to be lost either so the promise precedes the provision. Now continue to write this. But provision is activated by faith. Okay, let me say all that again. So we see a promise from God. God says, and we're going to see that again in just a second. God says, I want to bless you. I want to provide for you. I want to help you. I want to open the floodgates of heaven for you. I want to show you my power. So he's promising. He's, he's saying these are the things I want to do for you. So the promise proceeds, meaning it comes before the actual provision, because the promise does not happen without faith. How many see that? The promise is there, but God's promises are conditional. He, he expects us to respond to his promise. Okay? He expects us to be obedient to what he's telling us to do. So we see there in that promise, he says, he says, I will pour out the blessings and I will give you more than you can contain and I will rebuke the devourer and I will bless you. But he, what did he say before that? He said, bring this tithes into the storehouse. So he's saying the promise will come 
or the provision will come from my promise when it's activated, activated by faith, which is obedience and action. It sounds good that, that have the promises of God, but many people don't see the promises of God because they don't use the faith to activate his hand. How many are, how many are seeing that? I want to make sure we understand that before we move on. Now, if you'll go back quickly, I'm not going to stay there long, but I want to show you a verse in Genesis that we read this morning in chapter 28. And we were looking at how God was showing Jacob. And, and as we're getting there to 28, I want to remind you that a lot of times we think that when we see somebody blessed, or we, especially in the Bible, we think, man, they've got it all together. And that's not the case. Jacob was messed up. If you don't, if you don't know, his name meant deceiver. He stole the birthright from Esau. Him and his mom had a plan, and he, he wasn't doing everything right. He was making some mistakes. But the great thing, is what I tried to get you to understand this morning, the great thing is that God looks at the heart. God looks at the intentions of the heart. And even though Jacob made some mistakes and did some things, now he's fleeing from his brother, and he's fleeing for his life, and he's running. He made some mistakes, but the good news is that God was seeing his heart. And that's kind of what I said at the end of, this, uh, end of the service today, is that God sees us and looks at us and says, I'm, I'm going to give you credit on your action of faith. And before we even actually pay a tithe or give an offering or act in obedience, he sees that we will from our heart. How many understand that? So, so watch this. The promise precedes the provision, and provision is activated by faith. So I want to look at, at this verse again in verse... Uh, 13 so God comes to Jacob in a dream and gives him a promise and it says the Lord stood above him and said I am the Lord God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac the land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants also your descendants shall be the dust of the earth meaning many you shall spread abroad to the west to the east to the north and the south and you and your seed and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Do you realize that in that verse he's talking about us? We're in that verse. He says, out of your seed, you will go, your descendants will spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south. That's every direction. And we know that today we are descendants of them. Amen. Of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are in the covenant of them today. And here's the promise. Verse 15. Here's the promise. He says, Behold, I am with you. That's a good promise. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you so how many see a promise there the promise precedes the provision he's promising that he'll do it he's saying i will be with you i will keep you i will bring you back i will not leave you so he's giving a promise and that promise comes before the actual provision because it's in a dream he hasn't had the provision yet it's a promise but then jacob activates the promise of provision by faith and what does he say in the following statement? He woke up early in the morning. Actually, sorry, I skipped verse 17, which is so powerful. It says, he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And I talked about how the house of God is the gate of heaven. And there's a tie to the house and, and, and God's money and his provision. And then it says in 18, Jacob rose early in the morning, took the stone that he had put at his head, set it as a pillar, poured oil on it, and called that name of that place Bethel. And the name of that city had been loose previously. Now watch this. Here's his faith activating after the promise was made. He says, Jacob says, made a vow. Saying, if God will be with me and keep me in his way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, that I may come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I set as a pillar shall be God's house. And he makes a statement of faith. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you so how many saw everything i just said god makes a promise and that promise precedes the provision and then the provision is activated by jacob acting on faith and saying i will do what you're asking me to do 
And the amazing thing is, is this is way before Malachi. And this is hundreds of years before Moses instills the, in the law the need to tithe. That's why we talked this morning about the tithe does not die with, with the, 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 the law being fulfilled in Jesus because this was done before the law. Amen? Now, I want to give you something else tonight. This is really, what I, really want to, where I want to go tonight. So before I get there, the promise precedes the provision, and provision is activated by faith. To make this in simple terms tonight, we do what God asks us to do. We obey. He says, I want you to give a tenth, we give a tenth. But there's some things inside there where we don't get to realize sometimes that the reason maybe that we're not seeing everything that God has us to do is there might be some times where we are saying, let's make a deal with God. And we're saying, well, God... Like we kind of mentioned this morning, I, I, I can't afford to pay tithes this month. Or I can't afford to give you everything that you're asking me. And what we're really doing is not saying I can't afford to pay tithes. What we're really doing is saying I can't quite trust you. I can't quite really totally go in and believe that you are an amazing God that can provide for me. Sounds rash, but it's the truth. That's really what we're saying when we don't tithe. Because tithing, write this down, is an act of faith. Tithing is an act of faith. It's supernatural. It's ridiculous. When you really start to think about it, because 98% of the world is tied up in some kind of debt. And even if it's not like debt, debt, it's life debt. House, car, things, bills. And so we have all these bills to pay and we have all these things we have to do. And then God says, you, you, I'm just making this simple. You get $1,000 a month and your bills are 1200 So you don't even have enough to pay your bills, but I want you to give me 100 of that 1000 Sounds crazy. And so it's an act of faith. To obey and say God I'll give you that by faith because you've given me a promise that you'll provide so I'm going to activate that promise of provision by faith and when I activate the faith the promise fulfills the provision and provision comes and we heard testimonies this morning and I made the statement that for 24 years I've seen God never fail and I mentioned it doesn't mean you don't have struggles. It doesn't mean there's not times that you have to lay a bill to the side. Did you notice what I said? Lay a bill to the side. Lay a bill to the side. But don't, don't lay your tithe to the side. Lay a bill to the side. If you're going to be late on something, some people try to get so spiritual and they say, oh, you know, if we're really, you know, really living for God, we're going to make sure we pay our bills before, you know, we've got to make sure we're right with man. And that, that's, we should be right with man. We should pay our bills. But if I've got to choose between uh, God sending me a bill or the electric company, I'm going to let the electric company send me a bill, a late bill. I'm going to pay my tithe first. Faith. Though it takes faith to serve God it takes faith to believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins it takes faith to believe that we can give 10% of our income and that God will increase it and make it all work out now here's another thing I want you to write down I want you to go to 2nd Samuel chapter 6 now I'm going to get I'm going to get serious just for a second is that all right all right I'll do it anyways even if you didn't give me permission 2 Samuel chapter 6. I believe that God takes everything serious. And, and not, by, not on purpose, but we can get to a place where we're not taking things as serious as God is. And we have to obey God, and, and that's why I said a second ago, I'd rather be wrong with the electric company than with God. I'd rather have my electric turned off. And the crazy thing is, is I've had many times over my years, church and personal, where I couldn't pay the electric bill, and I can tell you, I've never had the electric turned off. Even when I've had to put it off. And you, you, you know the old saying, you pay Rob Peter to pay Paul. You take one bill to pay another and all this. But we should never do that with God's money. Okay, these are principles. 
These are trust issues. And, and how many believe that as God's looking down on us and he's seeing us say, you know what, they've got some bills stacked up over here and they, they need to take care of some things, but they're still putting me first. That does something called pleasing God. It pleases God. And you have to understand you're going to have some situations and some circumstances in your life. There's going to be some times that are going to be easier than others. There's going to be times where you're going to have more than others. There's going to be times you're going to have less than other times. But that doesn't change our obedience to God and giving God what's His. Can I say, can you get an amen? So watch this, 2 Samuel chapter 6. Write this down. A couple weeks ago I talked about the presence of the Lord. Now the presence of the Lord is tied to His provision. Where His presence is, there's provision. Okay, I'm going to show you this. Where his presence is, there's provision. We need God's presence on us. We need God's presence to be up upon us and around us and with us so that his provision will be there. Isn't that what he told Jacob in verse 15? I'll be with you. I'll go with you. I won't leave you. He's saying, I'm there. And if we really believe and have faith that God's going to take us through, we believe he's there. Kind of like I talked about Wednesday night. Believing he's actually standing next to us. He's actually with us. His presence is with us all the time. So we're going to read a story. Verse 1, 2 Samuel chapter 6. Some of you may or may have not heard this. David gathers all the choice men of Israel, 30,000, and arises and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up the ark of God. Now, I want to say something real quick before we continue reading. The Ark of the Covenant of God represents the presence of God. Okay, the Ark of God represents the presence of God. So that's very important as we continue to read this. Whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. Now watch this, verse 3. They're bringing the Ark to Jerusalem. He says, they set the Ark of God on a new card. I want you to underline that. I want you to uh, mark that somehow so that you can remember it. It says, they set the ark of God on a new covenant. This will make sense in just a minute. And brought it out of the house of, of Abinadab, Abinadab, and which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God and Ahio went before the ark and David and all the house of Israel watch this verse 5 played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood on harps on string instruments on tambourines on sistrums and on cymbals and when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, if you're bored at this moment, you'll stop being bored in just a second. As they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. In Mexico, they'd have whistled. So the ark represents the presence of the Lord. And they are moving the ark to another place, and so they put it on a what? New cart. And they're basically driving the ark, pushing the ark around by oxen. And what they're doing is, watch this, pay attention, they're doing things their way. They're, they're saying, well, I don't think we have to, I'm just relating, I don't think we have to pay 10%. Five's good for me. Or I don't think I have to pay any tithes. God knows my heart. Or we whatever start making excuses or doing things different and they're pushing the cart of the ark of the presence of the lord and when you read that you go man god's a mean god wow that's pretty serious 
But if you'll write this down and not look at it now, please, for time. If you'll just write down Exodus 4, 15 and Numbers 7, 9, you'll see two examples that the Ark of the Covenant of God was never supposed to be touched and never supposed to be carried any other way than on the shoulders of men. They were supposed to carry it with poles that went through the gold rings and they would carry that ark and four men be hard for four men to stumble at once. But they would carry that thing and what they did was they said, you know what, we're, we we're, we're going to kind of like not take God as serious as we have been and, and he won't mind if we put the ark on a cart and he won't mind if we do things a little different here as long as we get the ark from point A to point B. And that's what we have to be careful of is where we begin to add our hand in on what God is saying for us to do. That's where it gets dangerous. When you begin to say, well, you know, even though the Bible says I should do this, uh, God will understand. And we, we can't do that. He says there in Malachi, and what have people robbed me in tithes and offerings? And, and what, we do, what we find out today is that we live in, a, in the grace period. We live in the age of grace, and we live in a time where we think, well, if, if this was the case, we'd all be dropping dead. Well, if you read Acts chapter 5, they did. Ananias and Sapphira came in from selling land, and it wasn't that they had to give money to the Lord from what they sold. They had to give their tithe, but they didn't have to give all the money. But they said, hey, I sold some property for $20,000, but they really sold it for fifty. And Peter said, how much did you sell it for? And all I had to do was say, I sold it for 50, and out of my heart, I want to give 20. But he, he lied about the amount. And Peter said, because you've lied to the Holy Spirit, they're coming to take you out to, to bury you. And he dropped dead right there. New Testament. And then we know that his wife came in and did the same thing. Hey, how much did you sell the land for? And she lied. Peter said, don't you know that they're burying your husband right now, and they're coming to bury you? I, I don't say that to like scare us. I say that to say, you know what? We need to take the things of God serious. We really need to take the thing. And I think that that's, it's a balance bringing us back in to understand that God, God is a God of abundance and promise and love and provision and great things. He just asks us to obey him. Like a good father or a good mother does. Amen? But I want you to see here that the presence of the Lord is tied to God's provision. Where there is provision, God's presence is there. Where God's presence is, there's provision. So we shouldn't be looking as much for the provision of God as we should for the presence of God. So you know what that means? That means if my heart is right, I'm not looking for the hand of God to hand me things. I'm looking for the love and the presence of God. And when I have the presence of God, I have everything that God has inside of his presence, which is everything that I need. Amen? How many see the difference? I'm not looking for a handout. I'm looking for his presence. I'm looking for a relationship with him. I'm doing everything that I do out of the heart. We talked about that this morning, the attitude of the heart. And I don't know if I'll get in that, to, to that part tonight or not. But watch what happens after this happens. He, 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 he was a reverent Uzzah. Some might say, I, mean, I remember reading this when I first got saved and thought, man, that's not right. I got a little mad at God. I was like, that's not fair. He was trying to keep the ark from falling. And, and that's kind of how we, we reason. But we'll, what, that's kind of what we do. Picture this. The ark's falling, and he's like, you know, I better help God. I got to make sure that this ark don't fall. Even though he said, don't touch it. How many can see how we can try to help God sometimes? And we might be in a situation and, and, and God has a, a plan beyond where we're at today and we're in a difficult situation and God is saying, look, I, don't, I didn't ask you to help me. I just asked you to obey me. Come on. I didn't ask you to put your hand in. See, when we start putting our hand in and we say, well, I'm going to do it my way or I'm going to pay things my way or I'm going to give what I want to give or however, God says, okay. I can't, I can't bless you then the way I want to bless you because you are trying to put your hand in the pot. 
He's, he basically was telling God, without, he didn't have time to think about it, but he's basically saying, I'm going to help you, God, because you can't help yourself with that ark. That ark's going to fall and break. He's basically saying, God, you can't do that. That's the attitude we get sometimes when it comes to money. God, I can't trust you with this. You know, you, you, don't you see the bills adding up? Don't you see the situation I'm in? Don't you see what's going on right now? Isn't that what we do? That's exactly what Uzzah did. He said, I need to help him. I need to grab that ark before it hits the ground. And he died because of it. Because God said, I'm going to use this as an example. And 6,000 years later, 5,000 years later, they're still going to be talking about it. And here we are talking about it. But watch what happens. He does that. And it says, verse 8, David did what I did when I first read it. David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. Now watch this. David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? How many know that what David should have done was his heart should have been towards God, not away from God? Watch this, please. I see, a lot, I see all the time over the years, I see people who, who walk away from God instead of wanting to God. Something happens that went wrong. Something doesn't go the way they think it should. Or they begin to get angry at God or whatever. And so they just leave God and go back to wherever they came from and, and run from God instead of running to the mercy of God. I mean, that should have caused David not to get mad. That should have caused David to fall on his knees and say, Lord, uh, can we go over real quick why that just happened? Can we have a discussion I want to just make sure real quick, was it, you know, what exactly was the reason you killed him for him, instead of getting mad? That's what his attitude should have been drawing near, instead of drawing away. And when we do that, when we, when we get out of that place, we can get into one disobedience, to another disobedience, to another disobedience, to another disobedience, because we're just mad at God. And we just, you know what we think? We think we're, we think we're getting God good. We think we're, we're really affecting God. We're not affecting God. We're affecting us. Period. There's nothing we can do that's going to change who God is. And, and I think that that's some, somehow we, we, we kind of try to put God in a box somehow. And think, well, I'm going to bring God over here with me. And God's like, I, I don't change. I'm sorry. You change and the world changes. And I don't change. And, and follow this. He gets afraid of, of the Lord and says how can the ark come to me so instead of instead of saying okay I need to figure out what Uzzah did he just says I'm not gonna I'm not just I'm not gonna be around God anymore I just I take that thing away what does the ark represent the presence of the Lord so he's saying I'm gonna keep God at a distance See, a lot of people believe in God but they don't want to get God to get God to get close to him so they're going to keep him at a distance. They're going to keep him on a wall. They're going to keep him in an idol. They're going to keep him in a box. They're going to keep him on a shelf. But they don't want God to get too close. And that's what David did. Instead of going to it, he ran from it. But the presence of the Lord is tied to the provision of God. If I'm in the presence of the Lord, I'm in the provision of God. If I run from the presence of the Lord, I'm running from the provision of the Lord. And I'm going to show you that. Look what it says after that. David was afraid of the Lord, and he said, how can the ark come to me? Verse 10. So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse here. He shouldn't have just ran from it. He should have said, let's go back to the basics of what, how we're supposed to carry the ark. Let's make sure we carry this right and carry it in. But he didn't do that. Watch this. So David took it aside did a funny thing. He's like, I don't want it in my house, so I'm going to put it in somebody else's. <laughs> Let's see what happens. That's what he did. He said, you know what? I don't want it in my house. I'm afraid, so I'm going to take it over to so-and-so's and see what happens. That's kind of crazy, huh? So he takes it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And guess what happens when the ark of the Lord goes to Obed-Edom's house? Does he die? No. Blessings come. Why? Because where the presence of the Lord is, is provision. 
So if, if the presence of the Lord isn't on us, we don't run from it. We stay in it and say, Lord, what am I doing? It's an inward thing. What can I possibly be doing to maybe be causing the presence not to be here? Don't run from it. Run to it. Does that make sense? You stay in God. God, God is not going to hurt us. He doesn't want to hurt us. Especially if our heart is to learn. Say, Lord, is there, is there something? I'm, now listen, as I'm reading this, don't think that if you're having any kind of st- financial struggle that you have to be doing something wrong. That's not the case. You, you could be tithing and being faithful in the Lord and you're just going through a storm. We had that message many, many, many weeks ago. But I want you to get what I'm trying to say is that if, if we'll seek the presence of the Lord over his hand, the blessing comes automatically. So look what it says in verse 11. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. So then David says, oh, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. And so David says, I'm going to get that ark again. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to go get that thing. And he does. And so a lot of people, when it comes to finances, for example, they'll get to that place where they do the Uzzah. And they put their hand in and they say, you know, I can't afford 10% or I can't afford to tithe or I'm going to do it this way. And they just begin to say, well, I, you know, I missed a check. I can't. Whatever it is, they just get in there. And things begin to get out of order and things begin to get messed up. And then God's so gracious that we can come back and make a decision like we did this morning and say, Lord, I'm going to get back right on my finances again. And I'm going to try trusting you again. And then we see the miraculous happen. And I want to close tonight with something else in Revelation, if you'll go there. Revelation chapter 2. And as you're getting there, don't forget what I just said about the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is the greatest foundation we can have. His presence with us. How many know that if he's with you, he's with you? So if he's with you, he's not going to stand there and watch you starve. If he's with you, he's not going to stand there and let you get hurt. He's a good God. So we need his presence. We need him with us more than we need what he can give us. But let's look at Revelation. I want to show you something interesting tonight to, to close tonight. When it comes to finances and things and money and tithes and offerings, many people think that it's an issue of how much we have that matters. I said that this morning. You'll have people who say, you know, I'm, I'm just poor and what can my $5 do and You'll have others that'll say, you know, I've got a lot and I give. And there's all these, different atti- all these different attitudes. But I want you to know something. It's not about an amount. It's about an attitude. And Revelation 2, if you look at it, that shows us. If you, if you didn't write that down, write that down. It's not about the amount. It's about the attitude. Now, when I say it's not about the amount, I'm not saying that it doesn't matter what you give. The amount is per your income. Everybody makes different amounts. And whatever we make, that's what God asks us to give of. Aren't you glad that he didn't make a certain amount instead of a percentage? <laughs> That'd be bad if he made a certain amount. You know, if you made $1,000 a month and he asked for 1500 as an amount, someone who made 10000 a month would have no problem, but someone who makes 1000 would be in trouble. But he asks us to give a percentage of what we make. And, and I have seen over the years, sometimes it's, it's easier for somebody, I don't know how, who makes $250 a month to give 25 than it is for someone who makes a million to give 100,000. We say, oh, it's the amount, duh. No, it's the, it's the attitude. And, and, and I'm going to show you exactly what I'm saying in Revelation chapter 2. You there? Verse 8, the angel of the church writes to Smyrna and says these things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. He says, I know your works, tribulation and poverty. And then what does it say there after that? But you are rich. See that? 
He, he's, he's looking at the fact that the world would call them poor, but he says, you're not poor, you're rich. Flip over to the next chapter and watch this. Chapter 3, verse 17. To the lukewarm church of the Laodiceans, he says, I know your works, that you're neither hot nor cold. And verse 17 says, because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy and need of nothing, and do, do you not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? So this doesn't mean that rich people are wretched and poor people are great. This means it's not an amount, it's an attitude. It's, it's how you look at God and it's how you look at things and it's what drives you and it's where 1 Timothy 6.10 comes in. For the love of money is the root of all evil the love many people i've heard people over the years get that wrong not night and day they'll say man the money money is the root of all evil that's not what the bible says Mon the bible does not say money is the root of all evil it says the love of money and listen i have seen people who are dirt poor have a poverty mentality because they and I, I'm not not a poverty the wrong mentality about uh, giving and they, they they don't get it I've seen rich people who don't don't care either way it's an attitude it's not about the amount it's about the attitude you can have somebody who who has hardly anything but they're the most generous person you've ever met in your life you can have somebody who has everything and they're stingy it's, it's, it's just it doesn't matter it's it's the heart the love of money. You can have people who are poor and don't have money, but love it. And hold on to what they have. They're, 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 there's, it's just something that comes out of here. And God wants our hearts. He wants us to trust him. And, he, and, and you'll see, how many have ever, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but you might know somebody like this, who, who's, they're, they're a Christian, they're a believer. But they're always, always, always worried and stressed over money always 99.9 percent .9 of the time they are stressed why because they don't have this understanding of trusting god then you can have somebody who's got all the money in the world and they're never satisfied it's not an amount thing it's an attitude thing there's forces that are working in our lives, amen? There's the spirit of mammon that's pulling on us and, and, and calling us to do things with our money that don't matter, that don't last, that don't, that don't add up. And so write down for Ephesians 4.23. What we really need when it comes to the finances of God is a new mind. We need a renewed mind of the things of God. We need, to, we need to throw out, because listen, all of us came from different backgrounds and different households and different ways that we were raised. And, 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 and we're, like I always say, we're such a product of our environment. You, you are raised a certain way, and that's something that if it's not God's way, needs to be broken. If it's not God's way. If you were raised in God's way, then you keep doing that. And one of the things that, people fail the most on when it comes to God's provision is they do the test part you know he says test me in this but they do it with the intention of if it works I'll keep doing it and that won't fly because before you even do it God knows you're not going to stick with it I've seen people man I tested them I tried I'm like how long did you try I tried once that does not work but I promise you, in this place right here, if anybody, I'm not going to put a certain number, but a certain amount of years, I'm not trying to make a doctrine of something, but if you've been tithing for a certain amount of years, you know it works. If you have stuck with it long enough to know it works, and it doesn't mean that things go like this. Things go like this. But it's the principle that God is that line right in the middle. And he always provides in a supernatural way. In ways that we can't understand. In ways that seem impossible. And, 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 and for those that weren't here this morning, uh, just reiterating what Paul said this morning. He said it's crazy because we believe the devil more than we believe God. 
The devil's sitting here telling us, you can't afford to tithe, you can't afford to do this, you can't afford to do that. Put that money somewhere else. And we're saying, okay, yeah, you're right, devil. And God is saying, let's make a deal. You, you give me what I ask, and I will do supernatural things in your life. I will pour out blessings upon you which you cannot uh, contain. Ephesians 4.23 says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of mind. There's got to be a spiritual renewal of the way we look at money. Amen? There's a spirit of prosperity. And that's not just money. It's generosity. It's, it's giving. It's a heart that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't live off of just what I see. You get to a place where you have so much faith in God that you know he can't fail you. That you know he's going to come through. And, and you might be shaken for a moment in your flesh, but your spirit rises up and says, God's got this. God's got this. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? God's got this. It seems like nothing's happening, but God's got this. God is working on my behalf because I remind you, devil, that the Lord said that I'm in covenant with God. And when I do what I'm supposed to do, God says he will do what he's supposed to do. And he is going to rebuke that devourer. And he can't touch my stuff. And it might seem like he's not doing anything, but he's doing something. Amen. He is moving on my behalf. And God is faithful. Pastor Andrews, come up here real quick and give a quick testimony of what 50 years is of tithing, amen, and knowing what, how to be faithful. And mom, he can speak for you, amen. Okay, you want to speak too? Can't say, can't ignore mom. She said no. Well, God is so faithful. June the 30th of 1969 at 8 o'clock p.m. I married that beautiful woman over there. 8 o'clock p.m. And uh, this coming Thursday be 47 years. Amen. And she put up with me all these years. Thank God. But we, uh, we've been tithing all of our married life. Now there's times we've sometimes missed the mark on getting it right as we have in the past, but we've learned over the years that God is so faithful. The scripture tells us, I was young, but now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging for bread. And knowing that God is so faithful, there's been times when we've had much and times we've had none. But all through the tough times, we realize that God was growing us and helping us and saying, if you'll just stay the course, just like in marriage, don't give up. Don't give in and don't give out. Just keep on doing what you're doing and do it right, right, according to the word, that he will be so faithful to you and he will take care of every need that you have. And I know without a doubt that we all go through struggles, but those struggles, again, we grow. And so I can tell you this, it's so interesting. I don't know how, and I've mentioned this before, I don't know how, but only God can do this. Our income is at a set time, in a set day, in a set amount. And we get those checks in. Direct deposit. Thank God for direct deposit. But I will tell you this. As I figured it up this afternoon, just curious, I've never exactly got a pinpoint exactly. But we decided to increase our tithing. And I've been saying that all along. And I've still got more increase because I'm at 17.5% of tithing right now we're giving. Not 10%, but 17.5%. I have a goal, and we have a goal of 20%. But you say, well, how does that work when you own a fixed income? I don't know. Supernatural. I don't know how God made those fishes and loaves multiply, but he did. And so that, that's up to him. But I will not, as pastors say, I will not pay a bill first and not pay my tithes. It's a principle I live by. I know that it works. And if you haven't tried it, try it. Amen? Okay. I turned 66 and have a hard time going up downstairs now.
thank you, Pastor, for letting me say something, because I'm sitting there while you're preaching and thinking, wow, that's exactly what I want to tell everybody. You know, um, tithing and expecting God to bless you has, every, has almost nothing to do with money. I mean, it does have something to do with money, but it, there's so much more. We have been married 47 years and had three children. I have never had to visit one of my children in the hospital because they were so sick they had to be in the hospital. Never. I have, I have never been a pl without a place to live. I have never been without a meal, as you can see. <laughs> but God provided for us every time. Like you said, there were times when we had nothing, and we were so broke we didn't know how we were going to buy groceries. But at that point, people would walk up to us and give us a check or money, or they'd invite us out to dinner. God always provided. And one thing I want to say to you people that are not married yet, don't settle for anybody less than a godly man or woman for your husband or wife. Don't ever settle. Because when you have a godly man for a husband and a godly woman for a wife, you have everything. Everything you need to be successful. Albert and I have always agreed on what to give if we have an offering. And we're not even sitting together sometimes. And God will put an amount in our heart and we'll give it. And then afterwards, we'll say, well, is that what you were supposed to give? Yeah, that's what I, the God told me. <laughs> so, you know, he works that way. That's the way he works. But, and you women, if you are lucky or blessed to have a godly man, listen to him. Listen to what he says. If he wants to give something extra, say, okay, I'll, we'll pr I'll pray with you about it. And we'll, I know God will provide. The same for you husbands. Listen to your wives. If you have a godly husband, a wife, she, God hears, speaks to her too. And I just want to encourage you to just be together in, in your giving. Be together in your spirit because you can't lose. You cannot lose. God provides so much more than money. And it just is such a blessing. So praise God. Thank you. I've told the story before, but just in case somebody doesn't know it. You're teaching your kids. Do it on purpose. Get that tithe check out. Write it in front of them. Take the envelope and let them see it. Let them watch you be faithful because they're going to learn that. And that, that's my testimony. Even when I wasn't living for the Lord, I, I, I remember watching them at times where, you know, I've told the story before. My dad was making great money 25 years ago. We had a nice house and we had cars and everything. And, and, and he got, you know, lost it, lost his, had to go into retirement and lost his his management position to go to work security. And so you're going from, you know, $60,000 a year to 20000 probably, 15000 a year. And when you have that kind of income, the bills don't change. But I remember, I don't know the exact amount of years, but we were in Tucson when I was in high school, and I just remember knowing that, that we couldn't afford to pay the house. I knew the, the mortgage was expensive, but I, I remember in my spirit, in my mind, that we never lost the house. And I remember that, I don't know the amounts or anything, I just remember seeing lots of bills on the table. Lots of bills. And I remember them talking about, we're writing our tithe check out right now. And I remember thinking in my teenage mind, how in the world are you doing that? And why are you doing that? How can you do that? But that is ingrained in my mind. And so as I got older and I got married and I got saved, my wife knows we followed that same thing. She knows that we've always, always paid our tithes and always been faithful with what God's given us and trusted. So I said in the very beginning, tithing is faith. It's trust. And, and, and it's, it's, it's standing back and saying, God, I, I know that you're a God of covenant and you'll come through. And to see that they, we never lost the house, like you said, that's supernatural. There's no other way to explain it. And sometimes you, you, if you do this long enough, you're going to realize those ups and downs come, but you look back and you don't honestly know how you made it. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? You don't know how. You don't know how you paid the bills, but you know that God did somehow. And it sounds crazy like that you can't even remember how, but sometimes you just don't know how. Because it's an attitude of, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm not doing this for a little while. I'm a cover. It's just like marriage. I'm not doing this for a little while. I'm doing this till death do us part. So you do the same thing with tithes. I'm not doing this for a little while. I'm doing this for as long as I live. I'm going to be in covenant with God. And so it's that, that longevity and that spirit of, 
of consistency that God is looking for, and he'll let us go through those things to see if we trust him. Amen? To see if when we see the bill there and the tithe there, we choose the tithe over the bill. He wants to see that, and he'll provide every time. might not be in our time, but he'll provide every time. Amen? Let me have one more testimony tonight. Somebody wants to testify? Guys? Uh, I'll talk first because I'm afraid she'll judo chop me in the neck or something. Um, you know, at first when I first started coming to church and listening to the pastor preach, he preached this um, poverty mentality, and I realized growing up um, in poverty, and my dad always worried about money and all this. I was like, man, I can't tithe. I don't even. I barely. I'm working odd jobs. I can't tithe off of this, and. Um, I remember having odd jobs, even when I uh, laid some mulch for Paul and Brenda, I, tithe, I started tithing off of that once I heard the message, and God started providing me. He provided me with the job, um, I believe, with the construction site, and, and I was still um, learning about how to, how to, how to follow Jesus and um, trusting in Him, and I trusted in Him with um, that provision, and uh, it was a good job. I was still dealing with some uh, war stuff, some things needed to be taken care of, but uh, I lost my job eventually because of other reasons, but I, I always paid my tithes, and during that time that I didn't have a job, God provided me with the job, even though it wasn't the job that I was good at, like washing boats or <laughs> odd jobs. I would always pay my tithe, no matter what I was dealing with up here, because of that message because I didn't want to go back to living, being that man that thought of the poverty because I didn't want to go back to poverty. I was happy with just God's provision, regardless of all the material stuff. And then, you know, I got another job, really good. I was dumb. I kind of, um, I was angry, and I kind of lost track. But then I, I lost everything. I, I, we lost our, uh, our, our apartment. You know, but we were still trying to be faithful in tithes, but I, I quit my job, so I wasn't faithful because I just decided to quit and walk out of that and lost her job. And then every little bit that I could find, I mean, at one point I even ripped the buttons off of my, my nice suit that I bought on our, for a wedding day and put it in the offering because I, I didn't have anything. I didn't have anything to provide for my family. But I said, Lord, I'm sorry. And then he gave me a, a job at Select Rehabilitation and I didn't have a place to call home. I, I was, uh, we were staying in a hotel and um, being provided for from loved ones. Uh, and, you know, God's grace and provision, he provided us with those um, people to help us out. And for that money, and I started paying tithes, started getting back. And then over time, I didn't even think about it. I started just tithes first. You know, when the devil comes around, I'm like, we'll rebuke you, Satan. You don't belong here. I just put the tithes in the plate, regardless of how much it was or how much the bills were. Because, you know, I do thank God for growing up with, in being poor. Because at the time, bills didn't matter, but because uh, to to us and now they do. But I put my bills aside up to pay my tithes first. When I see when I, I'm thinking about that daily as the weeks going on, I'm working and singing. And I'm saying, Lord, I'm gonna can't get wait to get my paycheck so I can put it in the plate because. Now, going from poor and no place, he, uh, I was sarcastic during his time in the hotel. I said, Lord, I'm giving you my buttons. I'm giving you the buttons off my, my suit. That is probably the most expensive thing that I have. I, didn't, I know it sounds weird, but it was, I, I, um, glory be to God. I said, Lord, I'm tired of this. I know that you're real. I don't have anything to give you. My family's struggling. I get some a little bit of a uh, little bit of cash in my buttons, and I wish that you would just give me a place that I don't have to pay any bills and a job that I I, I could just be at peace, Lord. I, at the time, I did mean it, but I was kind of being a little. And then over time, uh, Pastor Andrews came and said, "Hey, there's a job opening at this ranch," and we went out there, and we don't have any bills to pay. We have a house. And God provided that job. He provided that 
peace, and now we get to pay our tithes and not worry about any extra bills. We get to, um, you know, help do um, help in different ministries, and it's just really awesome to see God have His hand over us through those hardships, teaching us and guiding us, and through the the tithes and giving that um, how real He is, and how how awesome He is, and how supernatural His provisions are. You know, just like the manna from heaven He gave gave His people. He fed us, and even though it was a little bit, even though if you're not making a lot, just give. Give that 10%, because I, 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 I was blown away. I realized it a couple weeks ago what he did, and I'm like, oh, no. our God. Yeah, <laughs> so. Um, I just want to add a little bit to that um, you know, the, the enemy uh, definitely fought us the most on our finances because we grew up in poor homes and we because we did have that mentality and it needed to be um, broken off of us, you know, so that we weren't trusting in our jobs or our paychecks or um, anything worldly that, you know, our provision could come supernaturally from God. And so he, you know, kind of put us through... A test, you know, it was Satan too. He was trying to do his own thing and try to get us to um, stress out and freak out and leave. And, uh, you know, so where our family was and they'll take care of us and they're all poor and don't believe in God, so that didn't make any sense, you know. So (laughs) it's like, okay, devil, we're going to stick this out. We're going to trust God. And we had, you know, godly people that taught us principles, you know, and just just living in their homes and, and watching them with their families and watching them, uh, you know, live it out day by day. It really touched us and really was like, okay, you know, we, we want that. We want to have that in our lives, that, um, you know, that peace in our home, that, that supernatural provision. And, uh, you know, we, we trusted God. We, you know, it was hard at times. We were mad sometimes. We were like, uh, what are you doing, Lord? But we, we trust you. You know, we trust you. And, and it, it worked out. You know, we, it's stupid. Like, we don't have rent. We don't have electric bills. It's kind of like, what's going on? Like, this doesn't happen to people. And I'm not saying, you know, God's going to do that for everybody. But, hey, it's possible. <laughs> and um, I just want to say, for me, too, uh, I'm a felon. It's not a surprise. Uh, It's really hard to get a job in the world. Uh, And God made it a way. I have my own business. I make pretty decent money every week. I get paid every single day. And I don't have to rely on on a corporation to pay my checks. I know that God's going to provide clients. I know that he's going to provide people to take care of us. And it's, it's awesome. It's supernatural. People don't come out of prison and get a job or run their own business. Everybody's scared of felon. Like, you can't even get a job at McDonald's hardly. So, I, I know that God's real, and I know that he can provide. So, Amen. Thank you. Praise the Lord. So, God can break, God can break that, that poverty mentality and give someone a business. If they'll just say, you know what, God, we, we just trust you. So think about this. This was a perfect lead-in. I didn't really know who was going to testify tonight. But the question you have to ask yourself on finances is, is do I see God for me or against me? How many see that? That's the mentality you have to do. I, do I look at God as somebody who I'm, he, he's against me? Or do I look at God as somebody who's a partner? And he'll help me. That, that's, that's the way you gotta, you got to figure that out. Because listen to this. A poverty-minded person sees himself or herself as a little fish struggling against the current. Okay, picture this with me. That's what, that's what the poverty mind is. I'm just always struggling, and I'm just always going to be going against the current. I'm just always, this is just my life. I'm a, I'm a salmon. I'm just going to go upstream. And, the, and it's almost like, well, maybe I'll win the lottery, or I'll, I'll get a big break, or something, you know, some, someone will help me it's just that that that's that's the mentality the the prosperous mentality is this we see ourselves moving in life 
with God's favor. We're doing our part and God is beside us helping us along the way. That's the prosperous mentality. Is that I don't I don't have to swim up here upstream anymore because God's already swam upstream for me. But he expects me to swim. But when I swim with God, he's right by my side and it's a downhill or if it is uphill, he's got my hand. And that's that's the kind of thing this all goes back tonight as we close to attitude. How do we see money? How do we see God? How do we see finances? How do we see trust? How do we see obedience? And God is just saying, test me and see what I won't do in your life. Amen. Lord, we thank you tonight for your word, for these testimonies, for the work that you're doing in our lives tonight. None of us are worthy. None of us have it all together. But we are simply just trying to trust your word. And take your word as is. Face cover. Just, just, just what it says. And you told us in your word, bring the tithes in. Bring the, bring the offerings into the storehouse. And, and do what we're supposed to do. And you say, as the promise, I'll provide. I'll pour out blessings upon you that you can't contain. And so, Lord, as we receive that promise, we activate our faith and obey so that we can see the promise come to pass. And that is not always how we want or where we want or when we want, but it's how you want. And the trust is that you're in absolute control of our lives. And you're in absolute control of our finances and you're in absolute control of everything. And, and that's the trust we're asking for tonight, God. God.